0: The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. Matthew 21. If you've got a Bible, find Matthew 21. If you haven't downloaded our note sheet yet, just hit pause right now and go uh, download the note sheet or go find something to write some things down on. You'll want to do that today. Uh, there won't be a lot of fill-in-the-blanks today, but you might want to write some of this down. And then get your own Bible. Uh, These verses won't all come up on the screen. There'll be some others we'll put up later. We want you to have your own Bibles out. Whether you use a paper Bible like this or a digital device Bible. Get something out to to trust the fact that it's not me making this stuff up. Matthew. First book of the New Testament. Matthew 21. I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump right into the story Jesus today. As I think about my life in the last couple weeks. As I think about what's... What's just so thick in this story about who you are and what kind of king you are? God, my prayer is for this kingdom outpost here at Cross Point Church, here in the Temecula uh, Inland Valley. Open our eyes. Open our eyes, God, to see. Not just to see how Christians should see. God, Jesus, help us to see the way you see. Change us. God, I'm begging you for that for myself and for every every person who will watch this whenever and wherever they do this. Do the work of your spirit to open our eyes. Amen. Matthew 21. What's interesting about this before I dive in here, Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four different men that wrote different accounts of Jesus's experience, they all tell the story of the triumphal entry, but they tell it in, they emphasize in different things. So I'm going to jump out of here a little bit and and tell you some of the things that Luke said and that that John said and stuff like that, but we're going to keep it right here in Matthew. Uh, Matthew 21, as Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said, and as soon as you enter it, you'll see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie him and bring him to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, like, what do you think, Jesus? You're going to go steal a donkey? This would be like Jesus going, hey, you know, in front of out at the mall over there, um, just go carjack a car. Like, somebody's probably going to ask about that, right? If anyone asks what are you're doing, just say, the Lord needs him. And he'll immediately let you take them. And in Luke's version, it tells us that they show up there in the town and they go get the donkey, they get the mama donkey, they get the mama donkey, and they get the baby donkey. It's gonna be important. Not just a donkey, but a baby donkey, a donkey no one's ever ridden on before. Luke tells us that these guys go into town, they start to untie the, both donkeys, and they go, hey, hey, what are you doing? And they say, Oh, the Lord needs it. And somehow, way, Jesus must have set something up with these guys. I don't know why. We don't know any of the backstory in that, but when they said Jesus needs it, That's all it took. They said, then you can have it. And we have no idea how the donkeys ever got back to these guys. I don't know if they became part of what we're going to call the triumphal entry here on Palm Sunday. But it, it struck me this week. Maybe write this question down for you. When Jesus wants it, will you just let him have it? Your time, your talent, your car, your house, your money. If Jesus just comes to you and says, "Hey, I need that from you right now," will you just let Him have it? And sometimes, like, don't miss this. It's fascinating here. Sometimes Jesus is going to put something on your heart. You're going to sit in a church service. You're going to feel something. Yeah, God wants me to do something, so I'm going to serve in children's ministry. I'm going to join the tech team, the setup teardown team. I'm going to go do some things and volunteer at the school. Uh, I'm going to go do some things with my house and and do after school tutoring, maybe with for kids who are who are struggling with math or science, whatever it might be. And God might just move that in your heart. But can I tell you, you know how God asks most of the time? He sends somebody else to ask. Jesus didn't show up there and say, hey, guys, can I borrow your donkey today? He sends two guys and says, hey, can can Jesus have your donkey? Uh, And I think it's important to recognize that at times God will use other people and speak through them. And so the key thing here is not to be guilted by that. It's not even to be out of the, the need, but to say, hey, Jesus wants to use your stuff. Would you let him? Would you just let him, let him have it? Would you let him use your stuff? See, I want us as a church here is, we're here in 2021. I want us to C B S come back stronger this year. And one of the ways we're going to do that is for a lot of us who, because of isolation and we had to sequester ourselves and quarantine and all that. It's time to jump back into the game. To have, for us to come back stronger as a church, I need you to jump back in here and serve in all kinds of ways. To, to get involved in our, things in our community where our, your schools are going to need you. Uh, situations uh, with as teams get going and you, to be a coach or an assistant coach or things like that. Here's what's going to happen. You'll help our community come back stronger, our church come back stronger, and you'll come back stronger. Because one of the best things you can do in these kind of times right now, is to say not what, do I, what am I going to get out of it, but what can I put into it? Think about this guy. We have no idea who this guy is, but one of the most famous events in all of biblical history of the king coming in Jerusalem, that guy's going to go, my donkey. He could use a lot of donkeys that day. He used mine. So Jesus uses uh, this guy's donkey. It tells us also that they are on... Uh, the the Mount of Olives. I've got a picture to come up here on the screen. This is a scene from the Mount of Olives. That little gold dome out there is called the Dome of the Rock. That's where the temple would have been back in Jesus's day. But several hundred years ago, read history, pay attention. The Muslims came and took over that, and took over Jerusalem. And that's like now it's actually a what used to be a Jewish holy site is now a Muslim holy site. The Dome of the Rock, but that's what you would have seen—not the Dome of the Rock, but the Temple would have been there, featured just as prominently there on the Mount of Olives. Now we hear the word Mount of Olives and think, "Oh, it's a mountain that take a long time." Um, when you hear Mount of Olives, think the Pachanga foothills. They're not very tall; they're more like foothills than they are mountains in Israel. In fact, I was had a chance to go to Israel twice now, and I've done this walk. I've seen this scene. You know how long it takes to get from the Mount of Olives? You go down into a little valley and then back up to where the temple is, where Jerusalem is? 20 minutes. So it's not a real big, big, massive, uh, those big, massive hills and stuff there. But that's how long it would take them. And Jesus is coming into town to make a scene, to be seen. It tells us to get the donkey. It says, this took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Israel, look, you're king. Remember, our series is Jesus is king. Not your priest, not your religious leader, not your president. Your king is coming. He is humble, riding on a donkey. Riding on a donkey's colt, on a baby donkey. This is from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. So we're going to look at this in just a bit here uh, and keep reading here. But we're going to look at this. What's the deal with the donkeys? We're going to see there are donkeys and palm branches. If you're here and you did church uh, as, as a child growing up and been church for all, you know that what happens here on what they call the triumphal entry, Christians have kind of labeled with this idea of Palm Sunday because going will be palm branches that they take out and wave around and are, it's a symbol of Jewish nationalism and pride and victory. But what's the deal with the donkey? Because he says it's, it's a, a prophecy. And what Jesus does here, this is not accidental. He didn't think, well, I can't find anything to ride in on, so I gotta go, so I'll just go get a donkey. He did this on purpose. To say, look, all of you, the, the, the scriptures have been talking about for thousands of years that the king was going to come, the Messiah would come. He says there's going to be a lot of fake ones out there, a lot of religious leaders and a lot of religious movements that that whatever. He said, When the real king comes, you know how he's showing up? He's going to show up on a donkey. He's showing up here to be seen. He's here, almost here, you're going to see it, to pick a fight. He's here to go, look, you want me? You want a piece of me? Here I am. Come and get me. And he, he intentionally fulfills this prophecy. It's very, it's, it's interesting how most kings would have come into a capital city. Back then, they would have come on uh, there with the whole army behind them on steeds and stallions with all of their military hardware and things behind them. Big, massive parade. The king comes on, the most mighty king in the history of the universe. He says, and when the real king comes, he's not coming in that way. He's going to come in on a donkey today. If the king was coming, we would expect him to show up in the big entourage of the black uh, limos or maybe the big massive Hummers kind of stuff with with the secret service behind him on all sides of him with, with all that. Maybe even military parades and banners and, and bands and big massive uh, demonstrations uh, in front of him and behind him. But when we, Jesus were coming today, you know what he said to those guys? Not going to town and go find the donkey. He just said, hey... Go down to the AMPM, over here to the AMPM, and check it out there. When you get to the AMPM, you're going to get over here. You're going to see a motorcycle there. Now, I tried to find a moped to, to to illustrate this because for those of you that have seen one of the world's greatest classic movies of all time, Dumb and Dumber, you remember Jim Carrey and they're on the bike on the moped and they're riding up through there. This is what Jesus shows up on. Not not even a Harley, not even a full size bike here. It's a scooter, it's a moped, a baby donkey is what he shows up on to make a statement here to intentionally fulfill Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, where he said, look, when your king comes, when the real king comes, he's going to come on a moped. He's going to come on a donkey. So Jesus comes into town riding on a donkey and it's creating a stir in Jerusalem. Look what happens here. Look at verse um, matthew twenty one look at verse six. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt and He sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him they 're taking off their their garments, their cloaks, and stuff, and kind of giving a, a red ta- red carpet kind of treatment here to, for the king coming in uh, and other others cut branches from the trees and spread them. On the road. John tells us these are palm branches. We'll get to that in a second. Jesus was in the center of the procession and the people all around him were shouting, praise God. Uh, If you see that, some of your Bibles have a little asterisk or a footnote there. The actual words that they use here are the words, Hosanna, Hosanna. And as a kid growing up, I go, Hosanna, what? Hosanna. All Hosanna means is praise God. What it literally means is save now, save now. Save now. Save now. They go, this is the king coming. This is the Messiah coming. We want him to save us now from the repression, from from the the religious oppression, from the political oppression, from the military, the heavy taxation. Save now would be, give me a J. Give me an E. Give me an an S U S. This is some raucous, uh, spontaneous, populist kind of nationalist parade that has broken out here. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? They asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And Luke's version of it it tells us this way. It says that the religious leaders said, hey, be quiet. Shut that down, Jesus. Shut that down. That's not going to be good for for you. You should tell your followers not to do that. And Jesus says, hey, if the crowds keep silent, the rocks are going to cry out, Hosanna. Save now. So, what's the deal with these palm branches that are here? Because on Palm Sunday, growing up as a child, I never understood that. I don't think I, I probably I wasn't paying attention when the the great teachers were teaching me all about this. But as you study back in civilizations outside of 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 Greek, uh, excuse me, of Jewish civilizations that the Bible kind of focuses on here, but in Rome and Greek and and uh, Babylonian, there's, in fact, I got some pictures up here for you. i are going to come up here very, very quickly of things they found in archaeology, of pictures of things they've excavated. Here's one. You can see there's, there's palms right there. This is a king right here. And the palm idea was associated with victory, that this king had won. This is from several hundred years before Jesus shows up. This next one here. Next one comes up here. You can kind of see it there. It's a king sitting on a throne. I tried to highlight a little bit with yellow. You'll see it there. He's holding up a palm frond there, symbolizing victory that he has won back then. Uh, The next one here is a chariot rider in a race. You'll see the chariot rider in the back there is holding a palm frond because he won the race. Uh, And then uh, several hundred years after Jesus leaves, Constantine decides to make Christianity the The religion, the national religion of the Roman Empire. It's a massive, amazing thing that happens. Here's a picture of some coins. And you'll see there where the red highlight is there. That's the back of the coin. This is Constantine in the front. In the back is the king. And he's holding a palm. To illustrate that he's victorious. That that he's the king. That Jesus is now the... That Christianity is the central religion. I found this some research on this. Let me read this to you. The palm became so... Closely associated with victory in ancient cultures, that the Latin word palma was synonymous for victory. So you say, Did we win today? You would say, Did did we palm today? Because palm and victory were synonymous with each other and was a sign of any kind of victory. A lawyer who won his case in the forum would decorate his front door with palm leaves. The palm branch or tree became a regular attribute of the goddess victory. And when Julius Caesar secured his rise to power with a victory at Pharsalus, a palm tree was supposed to have sprung up miraculously at the temple of Nike. So what, what happens here? Jesus is coming into town. They're taking out palm branches, not because they couldn't find anything. They're going, This is a sign that Jesus is the king, that Jesus is victorious. We want him to save us now. We want him to win now. And it's no wonder that the religious leaders, who are also politi- have, so politically astute, will go, you're coming into Jerusalem the in big, the big temple mount that's up there, in the corner of it is the Fortress of Antonia, where all the Roman soldiers were, because it was the highest lookout point in the city. They're going to see this ruckus going on right now. They're going to go, whoa, 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 whoa. So they're going, look, you've got to quiet this thing down. This is a threat not only just to religious authority and theological truth, but also a threat to the Roman authorities. You better quiet this down. And Jesus says, hey, I'm not going to quiet that down. And what's fascinating here is that These people that are on this parade route, most of them don't really get who Jesus is. They're saying, save now, save now. Get rid of the oppressive taxation. Give us us the life we've always wanted. This is the idea of, um, I'm I'm not endorsing or repudiating this idea, but it would be the idea of make Israel great again. Make Israel first again. Make Israel triumphant. It's this nationalism, this populism that is just there, always seething below the surface. And Jesus comes into town and capitalizes on that. And what's fascinating here, he doesn't quiet his followers, these people down. It doesn't rebuke them because all they they can see is to solve our immediate problems. He goes, I'm here to solve a much bigger problem than just your immediate uh, right here, right now problems. He doesn't rebuke them. In fact, he says, hey, if they keep quiet, the rocks will cry out. So so maybe, um, he says, just be, just be careful. Be, be careful about that. The, the irony that's in this is in Psalm um, one eighteen verses twenty five to twenty six. Uh, this is the, the 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 song they sing on the road. The parade is hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, is lyrics to, so, uh, to a song that they would have sung regularly, sung or chanted in their religious gatherings at the synagogue or the temple. Uh, but what's, here's what's fascinating about it. They're saying, here comes the king. He's coming to take over. And what Matt, no, nobody does here is talk about the fact this is not just about that here comes the king. Because there were lyrics to the song that came before Hosanna. The king is here. Save us now. I want you to see this. The words will be up here on the screen. But turn back in your Bibles to the book of Psalm. Uh, Psalm 118. In Psalm 118, it says in verse 25, save us, Hosanna, save us now. But look what it says in verse 22. The verses right before it. This is just thick with with kind of foreboding irony. It says this, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it's wonderful to see. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. See, they had no idea that they were going to be saved. And the irony is this, is the one that they should have elevated to be the cornerstone of their life, in a week's time, it was going to be rejected. It's going to be crucified, dead in a tomb. He says, the stone that was rejected is going to become the cornerstone. This is the day the Lord has made. He's going to say, look, I'm the king and I'm here and it's all about to go south and you're all going to think everything's out of control. He says, no, this is God's plan. God knew this in advance, how this was going to go down. He says, this day, This day, this week that's coming is the day that the builders will reject me and this rejected stone will become the cornerstone of this whole new kingdom of God in the way of Jesus. The people that day, though, are stoked about this. They're excited about it. And I wonder today if we can look at some of this and go, how do we honor God with our emotions? How do we... These people are all excited that day and I... I thought for myself this week, when's the last time When's the last time I got stoked about Jesus? I get stoked about my team winning. I get stoked or excited about I get a pay raise or a bonus. I get stoked about, man, we get to go on a fun vacation. I get stoked about a home improvement project we're going to do. I get stoked back in my single days for my single friends out there. He called me. We have our second date. I'm stoked about that. We get stoked about things with our kids and things that our kids achieve success in school, achieve success in the marketplace. We get stoked about the fact, you know, uh, those of you that are, have your kids and they're, they're going to get married, you get excited about that. And then they tell you, they're going to have children. You're going to be a grand. What are they? You get stoked about all that. It struck me. When's the last time I got stoked about Jesus? And I thought it just, here's a question for you. And I want this to not be condemnation, because our enemy will, will weaponize conviction and use it to put you down. So don't let it be a thing that condemns you and puts you down. It's more just something to let, let this stir up in your heart. When was the last time I was just excited and stoked about Jesus? I had to think about that a lot myself this week. And I thought, you know, is it ever Jesus? Or is it all just the things that everybody else around us gets excited about? As followers of Jesus, Jesus says, hey, look. um, Are we at the first question there is, are we ever stoked about Jesus? Write that question down there under that stoked and sad verse on the note sheet. Are we ever stoked about Jesus? And then the second thing to write down is don't get replaced by a rock, man. Don't get replaced by a rock. This rock has doesn't have a mouth or a soul. Jesus says, hey, look, if, if my people won't who have a soul to experience me and have a mouth to express some things about me. If they're not going to do it, these dumb lifeless rocks will think what a tragedy, how sad that would be. And here's what's crazy. As Jesus knows, they've missed the point here. They save us now from the Romans and restore us back to our nationalism and pride. And Jesus doesn't take the time to correct them because he recognizes they have good hearts and they, they just are excited about who he is. It struck me that at times, those of us who've been Christians for a while can be just like those religious leaders that we so hope we're not. But we want to get too theologically precise. Oh, they're not doing it for the right reasons. They're just coming to church because they got a messed up marriage, or they got messed up kids, or they're just coming to church because they moved to the area, and they're a real estate person. They want to make some friends here. They're just And we kind of try to look at what the motives behind it is. And Jesus goes, I don't care what their motives are right now. They're excited about me right now. Let's just go with that for a while. Are we ever excited about Jesus? And man, let's get stoked about Jesus. Let's not get replaced by a rock. Guys, I want us to come back stronger this year as a church. Stronger as people. And and part of that's going to be to recognize probably we've misplaced some of our emotion. We've gotten excited and revved up about a lot of stuff this year. Let's have a triumphal entry again. Let's sing Hosanna again. Let's, let us let our hearts be moved to be stoked about Jesus. But it tells us, I want you to see this in Luke's version of the story. So go over to Luke chapter 19. Because as Luke tells the story of the this triumphal entry, it tells us that they, they get there and Jesus gets to the temple. Look at chapter 19. Look at verse 41. As he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep, which is just odd, isn't it? Everybody's, Jesus is amazing. Jesus is awesome. Hosanna, save now. And the disciples are going, man, this is awesome. We got thousands of people out here. And the whole city's going, what is going on out there? And here's Jesus crying. And the word here is not just little tear down here. It's like the like weeping and wailing out loud. They heard him. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace but now it's too late and peace is hidden from your eyes before long your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side they're going to lay siege to this city he says they will crush you into the ground and your children with you your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not accept your opportunity for salvation. If anybody would have the right right now to, to just be angry at them, he knows what's going to happen. He's going to be betrayed, tortured, and killed in five or six days. Instead, he weeps because he recognizes they've missed they've missed their moment of opportunity. And what he's talking about here uh, Josephus, uh, a famous historian and other historians have written about it it 's in Roman history and in Jewish history uh, about thirty to forty years after this declaration right here in AD seventy Rome comes and lays siege to the city. They build embankments and they surround the city they lay siege to it. siege is widespread they thousands and thousands of people are just laying dead on the streets, dying of starvation, dying of disease dying of of the roman soldiers and what the roman soldiers did to them it, they they completely level the temple and the palace i had a chance to be in jerusalem several years ago here's a picture of the rocks they threw down those are still there today from ad 70 and now it's a muslim holy site Jesus, this is the place where my glory dwells this is the place where i called you out and gave you this and He doesn't call them out. If it's me, I'm calling some people out here. You ignorant, stupid, ridiculous people. What's wrong with you? How could you miss this? Look at the miracles I did. I walked on water. I fed 20,000 of you at the Sea of Galilee. How in the world, how could you betray me and torture me and kill me like this and miss who I am? He doesn't call them out. He doesn't lash out. Because if I'm Jesus, and Jesus has the power and the ability to call down wrath from God and just... Things. He doesn't call out. He doesn't lash out. He cries out. And guys, we live today here in 21st century in the West. We're part of a thing right now called cancel culture. Some of you recognize that phrase. You can look it up later. It's people have done stupid or wrong things. You know what we're doing? Calling them out and lashing out at them. That's the culture. This is not Christian culture. This is the water we're swimming in right now. And I wonder, stoked and sad, when's the last time, write this question down. When's the last time we just cried out to God, seeing the mess that our world's in? See see this here? Jesus shows the heart of God. I found this in a commentary. I want to just read the quote to you. He shows the heart of God how even when judgment must be pronounced, it's never done with joy. Even when God's judgment is perfectly just and righteous, his heart weeps at the bringing of the judgment. Ezekiel 33, 11, God is calling out the nation of Israel and says, it's bad and it's going to be horrible for you. He says, but turn to me. He says, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. So can I just chat with you now? Can I quit? I want to quit preaching and messaging this thing and just ask you to pull up a chair next to me here and just share my heart with you conversationally right now. For the last few weeks, in, in my heart, probably it's 2021 and COVID stuff and where our church is at, but just some stuff I've been reading and what God's spirit working in my heart. And then right here in the triumphal entry story, I'm asking God to open our eyes, to open your eyes and my eyes. God, I want to, I want to see you. I want to, I want to be a pastor that just goes through the motions. I don't want to be a small group leader. I don't want to be a Christian that just goes through the motions, that goes to church and does the deal. And the king shows up and we miss him. Because we're so into our routines, so into our systems, and so into the way that we just do things around here. God, I don't. I've been saying things like this, God. I don't. I don't want to be so focused on my little kingdom that I miss yours. What God's moving in my spirit right now is we can look around at some people out there. I've said this about none about none of you that they're dumber than a rock. You know people like that, right? People that voted differently you in the last election, probably. People that different, whatever. They're just so that you look at them. They're just ridiculous. They're dumber than a rock those and just fill in the blank. What God says you could miss. You could get so into your little kingdom, your little world that you miss the kingdom. Those dumb little rocks out there will praise me and you'll miss me. He says the prostitutes, the tax collectors, those dumb rocks in your culture are going to get in before you people that are all do all the rules and rituals and religious systems, right? He says, don't, I want to be excited about what Jesus is excited about. Excited about Jesus's kingdom, not mine. We're going to sing a song today in just a few minutes. It says the word Hosanna in it. It comes from here, the triumphal entry. But one of the lines that's in there that I never understood until this week, where it says, break my heart for what breaks yours. And I thought, Hosanna, this is save now celebration. You see here in Luke. And miss a celebration, Jesus recognized his heart's broken. And I've just been praying and asking God to not let this moment pass for me, to not let this be a little week or two kind of a phase I go through, but to renew my vision, to see people and their situations the way God sees them. To see people that are frazzled, stuck, rushing around, posting with all their angst, lonely, isolated, all of it and more. Like Jesus saw him. Jesus saw the world out there. And there's some verses there. your notes from Ezekiel 34, 5 and Zechariah 10. But in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus just echoes this. The writer, Matthew says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And you know all the nonsense you're seeing on social media right now? All the stupid, ridiculous things people have done and are doing. People that have committed adultery, people who are alcoholics, who are porn addicts, people who have, have done awful things, since Jesus saw them. And he had compassion on them because they were just sheep without a shepherd. They were making a mess out of life. They were broken and they were lost. And this has happened for me several times even this week, guys, not even in real intense situations, but even some things I know going on here at our church. I look around, think about some of you and know situations that you're involved in. I think of people who sat here last weekend. See, I'm just convinced we live here in the inland valley out here. And we moved out of the inner city to get away from all the decadence and the brokenness and all that. And all that's different about us is we have nicer homes and drive nicer cars. But I'm just telling you guys, the meetings I've had with people that are part of our church and outside of our church. Our city is broken. But we put lots of makeup on it and we prop it up and it looks all beautiful. And Jesus says, would you see the city the way I see them? And what if our city doesn't need any more anger and lashing out and calling them out? What if I could just be sad to see real compassion and the angst in people's souls? What I'm praying for right now, you can write this down if you want today as the band comes up now is this is for holy discontent. To, to look around at the world, to look at this world that we're in and say, God, I'm done with just this thing called Christianity in church. I'm done. For that to happen, it's going to take a supernatural work of God's spirit in your heart. And it's not going to be, see, what we need here is holy discontent. We don't need discontent because that's, (laughs) welcome to America. Discontent. Everywhere. Every time you turn the TV on, whether it's news or commercials or sitcoms, whatever, it's just, people are just discontented. We want holy discontent. The kind of discontent that says, God, we see this world out there and go, we want something better for, our, for our, our political leaders. We want something better for our, 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 our local leaders. We want something better than just the culture, what this culture is offering us. We want to stir that up in our hearts, God. I'm asking God to stir that up in my heart and your heart. So I'm not going to settle for this anymore. I want God to stir up holy discontent and then holy discontent not just with the world out there but with the church in here. And look, it's easy to be discontent with the church right now. <laughs> how come they're making us wear masks? Or how come they're not making us wear masks? How come we're not doing this? How come we're not doing this? Or how come the band doesn't do this song more? How come the band doesn't? Well, if we had smoke machines or didn't have song machines, what about the lights on the stage? And how come the cross is taken down? And how come this is taking it? And we can just do this and be just discontent about the church and miss the whole fact that, man, this is about the soul of who we are. And as Jesus looks at us, he goes, look, guys, some of you are getting this, but guys, the king is here. And he wants that kind of holy discontent about, uh, about the church about our church to say, God, we want more. We're not willing to just sit here and be satisfied with the way things are. And that's going to take not just holy discontent with the world out there and with the church in here. It's going to be holy discontent with me <laughs> to say, God, I have lapsed into patterns of complacency, of just settling for being a Christianized American. I think Jesus says, you do that, you can miss the the, the hour of the King's coming. So Jesus, today, as we sing, don't let this moment pass us by your spirit. God, long before, long after we wrap up and this fades to black, Let us put a seed in here that grows into something, a discontent that says we are not going to sit by and sit back and miss our King. So awaken our hearts, awaken our hearts, God, to see you, to be stoked about you and to be sad and our hearts broken over what breaks your heart. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go 2